Okay, here we are, episode nine of I Was a Teenage Fundamentalist. I know, it's crazy that we've done nine episodes. And did you see that we are creeping up to nearly a thousand downloads? We are, a thousand downloads, which, you know, when I look at other podcasts, I compare. I compare against them. I go, look at that. They've got 500,000 downloads. We've got 1,000. We've been around for eight weeks. This is true. Almost nine. Almost nine. Well, this is nine. This is week nine. Yes, this is true. So let's, let's call it nine. And I just want to remind people um, that what would be helpful for us is to share this with people. Mm. That would be really good. And the other thing is to um, make sure that you give us a rating on your podcast platform. Um, Yeah, and just spread the word. That'd be really helpful. It'd be great. And there has been uh, quite a few people joining us on Facebook, uh, particularly over the last three or four days. Um, Had maybe another half a dozen uh, asked to be a part of it so they've come in so it's good it's growing people are starting to engage people are starting to message a bit more and find out a bit more so yeah it's yeah, exciting look us up on facebook i was a teenage fundamentalist and we've closed the group by the way so it's not yeah. public anymore so you need to apply to come in um and then you know that you know not everyone's going to see what you're doing yeah or saying in that space yeah that's it so you know it does protect your privacy but also you can direct messages so if you've got anything to ask now this one we're going to call this episode tea leaves the revival center it's it's a pretty simple one and and i think this has been born out of the fact that i mean several times throughout the last few podcasts You've said, now, I don't want to talk about the Revival Centre, but then you talk about the Revival Centre. So mm, mm. I think there's something in it. I, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, think, I think you're right. <laughs> I, I think there is some shit buried deep yep. that we need to uh, we yep. need to excavate. And look, mate, even preparing for this one, um, shit was going on. Just yeah. thinking about it. So, yeah, 100%. I think, I think the reason why I say I don't want to talk about the Revival Centre is because I really want this to be a more about, this podcast to be more about mainstream Pentecostalism. Yeah. But that being said, they, they were really quite a large Pentecostal church and they're, you know, a big part of, of my journey and other people's journey as well. So why not, you know? I think, I think we need to talk about it. And, you know, specifically about, you've talked about leaving the Revolve Centre, getting out. Mm. Tell me about that. All right, man. Well, yeah, it's a, it's a big story and I'll try and sort of cut it down a little bit. But um, the Revolve Centre's practice shunning. Okay. Um, and so what that means is if you leave the Revival Centre or you are excommunicated from the Revival Centre, everyone stops talking to you. Yep. That's the official line. You get some people that'll do sort of sneaky visits and stuff like that, especially around family members. Um, but the way it was, at least the way it was when I was in there, when when you left or were kicked out, that's the end of your time and everyone cuts you off. So okay. it's very... And, that, uh, and that's for good, is it? It, it depends on the sin. Okay. Yeah. So you can be excommunicated or put out for a time yeah. and you can be excommunicated or, you know, for, for life. Yeah. When some people are put out, do they think, hey, this is pretty good being out here or does it generally work as a deterrent? Yeah, I think I, I think it could work both ways, but largely it works as a deterrent because people then try to get back okay. into the group and, and then they start to behave, yeah. you know, keep the rules because... Especially when you've got family or, or kids or, you know, anything like that. It must be really, really difficult. So quite a successful cult. That's good. Yes, yes. Good, very, good to see. Yeah, very good cult. <laughs> as far as cults go. You know, it's something, while we're on that topic, I just want to quickly say, I don't necessarily see Australian Christian Church's AOG um, as, as a cult. No. I think they've got cultish aspects. But I just want to really draw that, that line because if we call everything that we don't agree with a cult, yeah. then what's a cult? Um, so uh, yeah, I just want to really stress that I don't think that the AOGA, AACC 
are a cult, but they certainly have cultish tendencies. But the Revival Centre is hardcore fucking cult. <laughs> yeah, right? Okay. Go ahead, sue me. Fucking cult. <laughs> so let's let's talk about that then. Let's talk about the cult and let's talk about the leaving. Of the yeah, cult. sure. So um, I was probably about 16, so I'd been in there for a few years, and there was a couple of um, Maoris uh, who had joined the church and they became really good friends. They're a bit older than me, maybe five, six, seven, maybe even ten years older than me. I can't okay. remember. But they were great. And they were so passionate about their their faith and, you know, everything was choice bro and, yeah, mm. little bro and all this kind of stuff. And oh, I loved them. They were they did, were great people. Did they call Jesus bro? Jesus bro. Jesus was choice bro. I don't know. I'm pretty sure they would have. Yeah, maybe. He'd be okay with yeah, that. Yeah, maybe. Don't know. <laughs> um, but anyway, they, they were wonderful. And... I, I really was drawn to them. Um, they were a couple, you know, a, a male and a female, and um, loved them. And they decided that they were going to leave the revival center. And one day they pulled me aside and said, and they actually did say, "Hey, little bro." <laughs> That's actually what they said. I adored them. They were great. And um, yeah, they they pulled me aside and said that they were leaving. And they were going into a Christian revival crusade, or CRC, as it was called back then, because Pentecostalism loves an acronym. Yep. And they they left the group, left the revival center, went there, had it sit down with me, told me that they were going, and said, we know that this is going to be hard for you because you're never going to be able to see us again. Yeah. Um, and I was like, no, that's bullshit. Mm-hmm. Right? I, I'm, I didn't agree with the way the revival center did this to people, the way that they kicked people out and had nothing okay. to do with them. I, in my heart, I knew that was bad behavior and it was wrong. Did you ever voice that? Oh, of course not. Okay. No, because then you'd be out and no mm. one was speaking to you. Mm. So they did leave and I stayed in touch with them for a little while. I even visited their church, which is an excommunicatable offense wow. to do that. If you go visiting other churches, you're out. Did you go in disguise? Uh, no. Wow. No, I didn't need to because I was a nobody. <laughs> um, but I, So I went along with them and visited their church, and their church was like just typical Pentecostal, happy, clappy, dancing, raising of hands, everything the Revival Centre isn't. Yeah, okay. But I, I just didn't feel it was I, – I, I thought about leaving, um, and, and I almost did, and going with them, but I don't know, there was fear. Why were you thinking about leaving yourself? Because the Revival Centre was shit. Okay. It was controlling, you know, and even I could see this as a 16-year-old. Um, and there was a lot of fear. Yep. So so anyway, they left. And I didn't. And I really, I think that was a decision there on my part to stay meant that I had to immerse myself even deeper in the group. Like, this is my commitment. This is what I'm doing. Okay. And so I yeah, immersed myself in the group. After a little while, though, I started, there was about 17 or just approaching 17. I, I went on a summer camp and I met this pastor's daughter from another another revival centre town. Okay. Um, or a town, sorry, another revival centre in another town. And she taught me a few things, B. Yeah. Um, let's just say there was, you know, a little bit of heavy petting and, and stuff. And she taught me a few things about, I don't know. I don't want to say sex because... An- anatomy. Anatomy. Yes, <laughs> that's let's it, yeah. call it that. Um, and I, I think you could say from a Bill Clinton Definition, we didn't have sex. Okay. But from okay. an everybody else's definition, according to what Bill Clinton got accused of, we did stuff. You yes. know, we maybe had sex. So, yeah, but it wasn't full frontal, right? So it wasn't okay. genital to genital. And that's important to to say because in the Revival Centre, and especially the Revival Centre when I was there, if you had 
full frontal intercourse, they kicked you out. Um, and you had to marry the person that you did it with before you could come back in. Oh, okay. Right? So, so I later found out that also if you got into heavy petting, which was me and this girl, you could also be forced to get married. Wow. Yeah, they'd kick you out and they'd force you to get married. So if you fool around with a girl or a boy in the revival center, you don't want anyone to know because you may end up stuck with that person for the rest of your life. Wow. Yeah, that's how serious it is. And that's based on 1 Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians 7, 1 Corinthians 5, 1 Corinthians 6. Um, and, and there's stuff in there about, it's basically arguing, you, you know, Paul is talking about, should people marry or not marry? It's got nothing to do with forced marriages. And he says, yeah. oh, it's better for a man to, to marry than to burn with passion. And the Revival Center says, shall we take, and this is how he spoke, the pastor, yeah. shall we take the Lord's advice and we force them to marry? Hmm. But of course, there's nothing in there about forced marriages. Um, so later on though, that evolved to where they started to say, if you commit adultery, you're out. We don't care whether you get married or not. You're out forever. And you miss the first resurrection. You don't meet Jesus in the air. Okay. God bless you. Good luck. Right. But that didn't come until later on. So I had these, the experiences with this, with this girl. And also I was seeing that the Revival Centre was being far more controlling than they had been before. Maybe I was just maturing and seeing it more. Maybe they were getting worse. I don't know. Yeah. And I decided I wanted to leave. Okay. Now, I want to stress something. I was 17. Yeah. Right? So unlike being a 50-something now, I was a 17-year-old kid. So I hatched a plan. Ah. So I knew that um, if the, the way that they kick people out was wrong. I believed that. Yeah. I believed kicking people out, kicking people out for a short period of time forever was wrong. Okay. However, I was indoctrinated enough to believe that this might be God's one true church. So God's one true church, and yet they're kicking people out, and I know that's wrong. So the cognitive dissonance was there, but I was 17. Between a rock and a hard place. Between a rock and a hard place, exactly. (laughs) I was 17, lots of hard places. So what I did was I hatched this plan, I'm going to have sex, like full frontal. Yeah. And... Not with someone inside the church, because if you do it with someone inside the church, you could end up marrying them, right? Uh-huh. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to have sex with someone outside the church. I'm going to dob on myself. Oh. Then they'll kick me out. That's right. good right? Then strategy. they'll kick me out, right. um, because back then it wasn't for life. Yeah. They'll kick me out, and I'll just never come back. And then when Jesus comes back and says, why did you leave the revival center? I said, I didn't. They <laughs> kicked me out. Oh, my Right? God. I was 17. Yeah. So this was my plan. It was perfect. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. yeah. So I went out. With my school friends one night, went to a club, met a girl, um, went back to her place, did the deed. Yeah. Um, ironically, she later joined a revival center split group. Nothing to do with me. I blame you. Yeah. Well, see, from the AOG perspective, I gave a revival center demons yes. and we had sex and so she got sucked in later on. But those of you that don't understand that, don't worry about it. So anyway, I did the deed. I rang the pastor of my local revival center, um, who was always great to me. You know, yeah. I rang him up and he, hey man, how are you? You know, he was great. Treated his own kids like absolute shit. Oh. But he was always nice to me. So I rang him up and I said, oh, hi, Pastor I. I have, a, uh, I have something to tell you. And I was really nervous, you know. Actually, I'm a little bit nervous now. Telling you the story, I, yeah. I, I this promise is... you that I won't cast you out. Yeah, yeah you mean... won't. You won't kick me out of the podcast. Well, yeah. Let's see. Just, just. So, going. 
Yeah, so I rang him up and I said, I've got something to tell you. And he goes, oh, okay, what's up, man? You know, and he was always this forced, youthy bullshit. And, um, and I told him. Yeah. And his whole tone changed. And he went, oh, have you? And I was like, yeah, and this is what I did. And he goes, is she in the assembly? And I was like, uh, no, no. Right? Ticking that box, right? Well, well done. And he goes, well, some would say you've lost your salvation. Boom. It was as if my, 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 my hands, my face, my whole body just went hot. What, you know, because that wasn't the plan. Yeah. The plan was I get out. I can go to another church. Jesus will come. This was the first time I had heard, and this is 1988, right? Mm-hmm. This is the first time I'd heard anybody in the revival center say, lose your salvation forever. You didn't read the fine print. Well, there was no fine print back then. They hadn't, they hadn't published this sort of stuff. They did later. Mm. And he said, some would say that you've, you've, you've lost your salvation. And I can remember I said to him, um, who, who would say that? <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, well, Pastor Lloyd, the head uh-huh. of the revival yeah. center, he would say that. Yeah. And I was just like, oh. And something in me at that moment, and this is really serious, I'm, you know, I don't want to joke about this, something in me at that moment was crushed. Yeah. Because my plan had failed. Mm. But more than that, according to these people who I trusted and believed about spiritual things, I was fucked. Yeah. That's the end for you. So he said, because by that stage, they weren't kicking out for life for this sin. So he said, ring this girl. And see if she'll marry you. Oh. Right? So I had to ring my one night stand. Oh. And I did, I did have her number. Because that's manners, right? To get yeah, the number. Of course, yeah. And I knew, because I didn't want to lie to him. Would have been a home want... phone back then. It was, indeed. Yeah. So I rang her and I, and I told her everything. I told her the whole story, which is maybe why later she joined the revival center. <laughs> yeah. Right? And I said, so I have to ask you, will you marry me? And she said, no. <laughs> and I said, great. <laughs> see you later. And hung up the phone, rang the pastor back and said, nah, she said no. <laughs> yeah. And he said, well, you won't be allowed back into the revival centers until you marry. And I'm 17. So marry anyone. Marry anyone. Yeah, you just okay. marry anyone because that's the advice, remember? It's Better to burn than to marry. Nonsensical. Yeah, well, there was, I, yeah. I, I, there was a gay guy who actually had gay sex and they said, go out and find a woman to marry and then you can come back. Because that's how you fix that is homosexuality bizarre. is you, you force people into, you know, heterosexual marriage. We, we have seen that many times, though. Well, in yes, in Great Big AOG. Yeah, indeed. So, so yeah, um, I was at that moment told you're out. You're out until you marry. And I knew I wasn't going to get married for a long time. Was, yeah. But at the same time, the they, they, you know, sort of like they whacked me on the ass as I was leaving the door and said, yeah. by the way, you can never leave. Now, of course, you know, I was 17. And I was thinking... Mm-hmm. I had this plan. And, and of course they've stitched up those holes. You yeah. know? Of course that's what they've done. Um, so was there a formal advice that that's it, you're out? Well, or? interestingly enough, they were like, you, you know, you're, you're out until you get married, um, but we will check, on, check in on you every once in a while. Right. And so what I did, though, was I rang a friend of mine who had joined Great Big AOG, mm-hmm. who had left... The revival sentence. Okay. Actually, his father was the one that did that um, exorcism and all that kind of thing. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, and they'd, they'd left some years before, a year before, a couple of years before. Rang him up and I told him what had happened and he said, don't be stupid. Of course you haven't lost your salvation. But he recounted the story years later and was saying to me, you were trembling yeah. when, you, when you rang. 
um, because B, I was that afraid. I really thought that I had lost my salvation. And when I reflect back on what happened for the next few years, um, although I was never diagnosed, but it really is clear, I suffered PTSD, hardcore PTSD. The dreams, the um, uh, the sort of the snapbacks, the the jolts of fear, yeah. because you know when you think of a, a soldier going out into into battle and they're going to be then they think they're going to be killed or they're close to being killed and they go through a you know that whole PTSD comes from that. It was the same kind of thing, except it was worse than dying. Yeah. I was told. You're going to miss meeting Jesus in the air. You're going to spend eternity separated from God. And I believed them. Yeah. And at that moment, as I said, it crushed me. And something began that day in me. What was that? Fear of hell. Yeah. Fear of hell and fear of being separated from God. Um, fear of being in the, just being in the wrong. And, and when you think about eternity, which, you know, is possibly our next episode... But when you think about eternity, that's a long time to suffer. Yeah. And, well, you know... The longest time. Yeah, it is a long time, yeah. <laughs> and and being, being 17 and not having any way to process that. Yeah. So, as I said, I rang this other guy from who had left, who was a few years older than me, and he's like, come along with me to great big AOG and let's, you know, solve all your problems. Um, and so I went along with him. And at that point, and this is, you know, as early as 1988... Yeah. Um, but the reason why I went along there was just to try and hedge my bets. Yeah. You know, okay. I wasn't ready to rejoin the church. That didn't happen for another three or so years when yeah. I really joined um, Great Big AOG. Uh, but yeah, man, the the fear. And it was later that they made it public, like, you know, even to the 90s, that they actually, the Revival Centre came out and said, this is our new doctrine. And so now when you join the Revival Centre, this is true, you get baptised Right, yeah. they you know they do the altar call and they you know want you to speak in tongues. You get baptized all in one hit. Wow! So you don't just go to an altar call. You actually put your hand up, then you go get baptized, and they pray for you to speak in tongues. Mm. And then they pull out a document of some sort that says, "Oh, by the way, here's all the things that you can't do. Oh. One of them being this. Otherwise, you're out forever." Wow! They, yeah, that that hit you with that after the commitment. Right? It's like post sales. It's not. Yeah, it's it's mm. not bad marketing, really. No. Um, <laughs> you're, you're trapped. Uh, and yeah. so, what did it do for you? What did that fear? How did it play out in your life? Oh, mate, what a question. Um, well, ongoing. I think um, I was. I think that was one of the things that drove me back eventually to join Great Big AOG okay. was to try and secure my salvation again. Yeah. So. There was, and you know, and we've talked about, you know, the pastor from Great Big OG that took me for a drive and asked me about my sex life and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Knowing this story now, you can see why that freaked me out so much. Yeah. It's yeah. like, what do you want to know where I put my thing? You know, like, <laughs> oh, you're going to tell me, up? you know, that's, yeah. So for me, I think it's impacted me in terms of, you know, trust in authority and all that kind of thing. Yeah. But it's also, I think it also fucked with me, excuse the pun, sexually. Yeah. Because what it did was it made sex this dirty thing and it made sex this thing that God hates mm. and it makes sex this thing that can be, you know, used to your detriment or that people can have control over you and all that kind of thing. So, yeah, yeah it's pretty, pretty intense. And I notice as I'm telling the story, I keep saying, and that kind of thing. Mm. Um, I think that's my way of saying, and a whole lot more. 
what what is some of that more what what are the other things that it's really kicked you in the guts and it affected you as as you've gone forward what happened in those three years like you you're saying that there was an intervening mm. three years you've left the revival center mm. you haven't quite committed to the great big aog mm. you're in a space that's sitting in the middle how did that play out well well i think the ptsd thing was real um like i said i was having dreams I was having dreams about nuclear war and god coming back and Jesus coming back and there was revival center people in the dreams often. I trust they weren't wet because no, they you know what wet. that would do No, yourself. no, they were sweaty. Okay. They were not wet. Um, so that was going on. Um, and look, I want to, I don't want to elaborate on this because as we said, part of the reason why we keep our um, ourselves anonymous is because we want to distance ourselves from our professional reputations and all that kind of thing. Yeah. But I'm not going to say whether they were legal or illegal, but there was a lot of substance abuse yeah. in that time. Um, a lot yeah um just trying to numb the pain mm. and so and then a lot of my experiences in that time were there was a lot of confusion and there was a lot of uh self i don't say self abuse but it's more sort of maladaptive coping strategies trying to numb that pain and i can remember sitting in a club one night and this guy said to me he goes hey t why why are you here yeah. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, everybody here is running from something. What are you running from? Mm. And I was just like, dude, I know exactly what I'm running from. Yeah. I'm running from this revival center thing and what it's done to me as a 17-year-old as a kid. Did you by any chance see that as a bit of a spiritual message from this guy going, I know? No, 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 no. Not, not that day. There, there were other times yeah. where, where things got a bit spiritual or, you know, I interpreted it that way. But I, I think... Having that sort of control and that sort of power over a 17-year-old kid, now as a 50-something, looking back, it just makes me angry. Yeah. You know, to do that to someone, to destroy someone's life in that way. Mm. Um, and it put me, because I was in year 12, I barely passed my, my year 12 yeah. that year. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm a bright guy, you know, and um, I was a bright kid. Um, so that shouldn't have happened. Yeah. Um, and my parents didn't know how to handle it because they could mm. see that I was depressed, you know, and it's the eighties. Yeah. Well, there was no depression, you know, no. depression was just, you know, Francis Farmer and, and, you know, sanatoriums. It wasn't something mm -hmm. that we experienced. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it had a massive impact and I think it set me on a trajectory because that PTSD, especially undiagnosed and untreated doesn't go away. No. So I've, I've carried that. I've yeah. carried that for, for a long time. Does it play out now, do you think, in some sort of way? Uh, yeah, look, anxiety and depression have come and gone in my life. Usually yep. things trigger that, that to, yep. to, um, to come on. Um, but, I, yeah, I trace it back to that. And, and I do think that the revival centres have a lot to answer for. Mm. Because my story, whilst, you know, for people listening to this podcast is, wow, that's extreme. But if you come out of the revival centres, you know yep. that this happens all the time. I went to visit a friend of mine who was still in the revival center not long after I had been kicked out. Yeah. I went to visit her at her workplace and she, she and I were very close, very good friends. And, um, I went in to visit her and she came down, went to a workplace, asked to see her. She came downstairs. I remember, and she came down and she looked at me. No one else was around. She goes, what are you doing here? Wow. And I said, Oh, I just came to say hi. She goes, quote, you know how this works. Oh. I can never see you again. Don't come here. Don't have anything to do with me. But she was very close to wow. me all my friends did that 
you know, yeah. I told you the story about, you know, driving up to people and saying, what religion are you? Burn yeah. in hell and all that. <laughs> Dropped. All of a sudden it was t- my turn to yeah. burn in hell. Dropped like a hot potato. So all those friendships, all that security, everything that I had was gone. And so when H was trying to take me to Great Big AOG, part of me wanted to reconnect quickly, but yeah. another part of me was going, never again. Mm. Fuck that, you know. It's interesting. Like in Australia, we've had uh, over the last few years a an inquiry or royal commission into institutional child abuse. Mm. Um, and that has been around sexual child abuse and physical child abuse for those involved in institutions run by the state, but also mm. churches. Churches, yeah. But I think this, you know, this is just as harmful. Yes. You know, that um, that emotional and psychological abuse. And mm. I mean, you've spoken certainly about some of the harms yeah, caused Yeah, spiritual abuse, people call it. Yeah. yeah. And, and psychological abuse, definitely. Um, it's, I'm not going to say it's worse than sexual abuse. I'm not going to say it's worse than physical abuse, but it's certainly bad. Yeah. And what it what it did to me. Imagine if there was some sort of, you know, uh, or, or one aspect of that of that in- inquiry that actually explored what are you what are these churches doing in terms of the psychological well being yeah. of these people that haven't been sexually abused or haven't been physically abused but have been controlled manipulated um, you know exposed to PTSD for God's sake. I think there's been a, a slight recognition of that. Um, in Australia, in the state of Victoria, uh, Parliament has passed a law there that uh, gay conversion therapy mm. is now illegal. Mm. So you cannot spiritually abuse somebody by uh, forced prayer and exorcism mm. to try and change their sexual bent. Mm. So, you know. Th- or, or even tell them that if they don't change, they're going to burn for an eternity in hell. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, Victoria has moved ahead in leaps and bounds, and that state has quite a progressive government. And it's interesting, it's the only state in Australia that has done that. I'm, I'm not aware, I know others overseas have, um, but it's, um, I, I'm not sure it's enshrined in law like it is there. Mm. So I, I think there is some recognition of the harm done. I've, I've had Christian friends of mine that have commented on, on that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they're still fundamentalists. Yeah. And they would they were upset by by what you're talking about yeah. um, and that sort of um, intervention and, you know, we can't pray for people and all that because they don't see the flip side. Yeah. They don't see the, the suffering and the turmoil that this these kinds of experiences have have impacted yeah. on people. Oh, most certainly. I, I mean, the things you've spoken about, I mean, it's, mm. it's a real harm. And that stuff damages you for life. And, yeah. uh, I mean, you may say that you're, you know, it doesn't affect you as much now or whatever, but the fact is it does still affect you. Of so. course, of course. And, you know, telling the story now, if this was a video cast, a vodcast, you'd see my face is red. And, yeah. you know, I, I was, I, I don't know if you noticed, but I, I could certainly feel that I was trembling as I was telling this story because it was a signpost in my life. It was a... A point in my life, and and you know, I want to say it again that something in me was crushed that day. Mm. Something in me died. And when you and I talk about our different experiences in Great Big AOG, um, we're going to have different experiences because of where we've come from. And you know, obviously, this is why mine was so much more fucked than yours. Yeah, it set a foundation for that, yeah. really. You were, as as we've said many times, we're talking about being primed. You were primed and I was ready. certainly primed. But you know, yeah. like think about someone that's come from a an abusive family mm. where maybe the the male dominant patriarchal authority figure is violent, etc. 
they're going to have a very different experience in Great Big AOG where it's very authoritarian and mostly male and all that. They're going to have that, you know, kind of experience different to you and I. Um, Mm. So many of us are primed in different ways. What I want to make sure isn't happening here is that, oh, it's not that Great Big AOG was so bad. It was that tea came from this experience. No, it's both. Yeah. It's that tea came from this experience and Great Big AOG was toxic. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's right. I mean, you, you're meant to be in an environment that is going to nurture you, that's going to love you, it's going to care. And, you know, the talk of grace is constant. Mm. Um, but the display of grace, as we've talked about many times now, doesn't always marry up with with what's actually yeah, happening, exactly unfortunately. Right. So, yeah. Look, I, I know that this episode, I say this for the listeners as well as to you, B, I know this episode was heavy. Mm. And we've tried really hard to keep everything really positive and light. Mm. Um, But I just felt this was a story that needed to be told. um, And I just wanted it to be out there. Um, There are are websites if you have been involved in the Revival Centre and you Mm. or you are involved in the Revival Centre and you want some support. There's um, uh, if if you Google search uh, Revival Centre cult. Uh, Revival Center AMU A I M O, and I'll put this in the show notes as well. Okay, that sounds like a real influencer thing to say. Yeah, I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, um, but I'll put these these links in there anyway. But um, there there is a, quite a lot of support out there for ex members, you know, put out by other members, some Christian, some non Christian, yeah. um, some other religions as well. So I'll, I'll make sure that that's available. But there is help. Yeah. And, and that's important to know. And and obviously you can reach out also. And T has obviously some first-hand experience in this I space. Do. And it might not necessarily just be Revival Centre. It might be another cult you're involved with. And you want to get some tips, I guess, around yeah, moving yeah. forward and dealing with that. Yeah. I mean, we can we can one day unpack some of the, you know, counter-cult stuff that I explored. I read a lot of books and mm. websites and that kind of stuff. We can explore that another day because that actually helped me with my great big AOG experience as well. Yeah, okay. Um, and I know it's helped other other people as well. They've talked to me and reached out and said, you know, have you heard of this book and that book? And yeah, yeah. so definitely. Well, thank you, T. Look, I think it has been a topic that did need to be explored 100%. And um, I know that this will probably continue to bring stuff up for you now that you've ha- you've spoken about it. So I'm sorry that that will happen. Uh, but unfortunately, this is what happens when you lay your soul bare. Yeah, to, to a thousand people listening to the download. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so listen away, people. But also, you know, be encouraged that um, you can come out the other side of really shit things that happen in your life and things get better. Yeah, you, you can come out the other side 30 years later and make a podcast. Yes, yes. <laughs> you too can aspire. Um, <laughs> there, yeah, I was a teenage fundamentalist and now I'm a 50-something in therapy. Anyway, <laughs> good, mate. That was really good. All right, great. Thank you. And we shall see you next week. <laughs>